She saw him leave that morning, but he didn't come back that afternoon. He didn't show up that night. Nobody heard from him. The teen's body was found in a rolled up gym mat in a high school in 2013. His death ruled accidental. Say my name and remember what you've done. Your hurricane has blackened out the sun. You can't continue to kill unarmed black people and get away with it. But if Kendrick did die of an accident, how, with all that distrust, how could you even ever show that? But then on the flip side is they didn't treat it like it, it could have been a homicide. Lowndes County Sheriff Ashley Polk announced officials were reopening the investigation. Only angle is to find justice for my son. You are currently listening to season three of Ashes to Ash TV, the investigation of Kendrick Johnson. Episode 21, Birds of a Feather. So I just got some really interesting information from my investigator. So I'm gonna call her up right now because I think I need to know a few more details because the information she's come out with is extremely damaging to this case on so many levels and just shocked me to my core. So I'm gonna call Debbie and see if she can talk real quick. So I just need to rewind here for a moment so we can explain how we got to the information we got to. And that is to say, I've never seen this information on any media source ever involving this case before. I believe we're going to be the first people to be divulging this information to the community interested in what happened to Kendrick Johnson and what's going on with this case. When I first heard the information, I was in complete and utter shock and in a little bit of disbelief. After I heard it, even though I believed the person who was telling me, it took me a minute to get my head around it. And then I did about two hours of my own investigating to make sure what they were telling me was accurate. And then to top that off, I even called KJ's best friend, Solo, to ask him some questions to see if the information added up. I had been trying to get in touch with Solomon Arrington, who was good friends with KJ, and his family calls him Solo and he's also a cousin of Kendrick Johnson. When I spoke with Hannah, Taylor Eakin's best friend, she spoke of Solo. Solomon and I rode the same bus uh, home and we were, we were good friends, we had a lot of classes together and that's how I met Kendrick. But Kendrick and I did have one class together our freshman year. So I wouldn't say we were super close. I, I knew Solomon a lot better and some of the other guys in their friend group, but I did know Kendrick and we did hang out a few times. There's one part of this case that has really always driven me bananas, and that's the Ryan Anthony Domek Hernandez statement. And it's really trying to comb through that to decipher if it's true or untrue what he's saying. My name is Ryan Anthony Domek Hernandez, and I am over the age of 21 years of age. I am giving this declaration voluntarily, and I have personal knowledge of the facts stated herein and know them to be true. I met Brandon Bell in April 2016 and on one occasion was with him at his apartment in Jacksonville, Florida, when he told me that his younger brother killed Kendrick Johnson. According to Brandon Bell, Brian Bell, Ryan Hall, and Kendrick Johnson were in the gym when an argument between Brian and Kendrick began. The argument was about or over Brian's girlfriend. According to Brandon Bell, Brian was taking steroids at the time and out of, quote, roid rage, 
or the effects of steroids, he struck Kendrick Johnson in the neck with a 45-pound weight, or dumbbell. Brandon Bell stated that Brian Bell opined that the aforementioned blow may have broken Kendrick Johnson's neck. According to Brandon Bell, Ryan Hall was a witness to the fight, and Brian Bell told Ryan Hall that if he didn't keep quiet and help him move Kendrick Johnson's body, his father, now retired FBI Special Agent Rick Bell, would make sure he, Ryan Hall, would, quote, pay for it. Brandon Bell also told me that his father got in touch with Sheriff Chris Prime after being notified of the fight and Kendrick Johnson's death. Brandon Bell also told me that Sheriff Chris Prime got in touch with the county coroner. Brandon Bell also told me that his father got in touch with another FBI agent who in some way facilitated the editing of the high school surveillance video by corrupting or deleting some one hour and 25 minutes of the original recording. Brandon Bell also told me that after Kendrick Johnson's death that his organs were removed and newspapers placed in the cavity so as to interfere with any effort to establish the correct time of death or to otherwise disclose any other injuries. Brandon Bell also told me that the autopsy was falsely documented. After hearing what Ryan Anthony Dominic Hernandez had to say, I, I really had some major concerns. When I first started investigating Ryan Anthony Dominic Hernandez's statement about nine months ago, I was really on the fence if his statement was true or false. It seemed on so many levels almost too good to be true, but then on the flip side, it did answer every question about the Kendrick Johnson investigation. So the statement itself was quite satisfying because it answered all my questions. But the perfection of that statement is also what really made me wonder. I thought, how could somebody have such a perfect statement if they had not been coached? So when looking at the statement by Ryan Anthony, it starts to crumble pretty fast when you start to fact check it. If we want to believe that Ryan Anthony is lying, we have to believe that he somehow knew about what the new findings were about Kendrick Johnson, which probably wouldn't have been too hard to figure out because it was pretty big in the news at the time, and then fashion that to make up this story. And I have some major concerns about that. Either you have a complete sociopath trying to get people in trouble for whatever reasons I can't imagine, or you have someone who's actually trying to bring relevant information forward to the cops. So to really believe Ryan Anthony's statement, you really have to believe that there's a conspiracy happening. Ryan basically states all the people that would need to be involved in this conspiracy at one point to basically make it work. Brendan Bell also told me that his father got in touch with Sheriff Chris Prine after being notified of the fight and Kendrick Johnson's death. Brandon Bell also told me that Sheriff Chris Prine got in touch with the county coroner. Brandon Bell also told me that his father got in touch with another FBI agent who in some way facilitated the editing of the high school surveillance video by corrupting or deleting some one hour and 25 minutes of the original recording. Brandon Bell also told me that after Kendrick Johnson's death, that his organs were removed and newspapers placed in the cavity so as to interfere with any effort to establish the correct time of death or to otherwise disclose any other injuries. Brandon Bell also told me that the autopsy was falsely documented. So if one chooses to believe Ryan Anthony's statement, you really have to believe that a conspiracy is afoot. So at this point, you have to have a whole bunch of people involved to make this theory actually hold water. That's eight people right out of the gates that would need to be willing to protect a murderer. At this point, I was having a real hard time believing Ryan Anthony because we were already finding parts of his statement that weren't true. 
I spoke with Kenyetta, KJ's sister. Did you ever know of KJ to have any girlfriends around the time? He didn't have a girlfriend at all. Okay, so in, in your whole time growing up with him, you never even knew of him to have a girlfriend? Nope. Okay. And I know one of the witnesses had said that they felt like this was caused because KJ and Taylor Egan are potentially having sex or something along those lines fooling around. That's what they say, but I don't really believe that either. Okay. Yeah. It didn't seem, that doesn't fit with who KJ was in your mind. No. I mean, he had a lot of friends though, all racist, so I mean, but I still don't believe that. I asked the same question to Hannah. KJ's friend. But did you ever think that there was anything going on between Taylor and KJ? No way. Not not even a little bit. No. Taylor, from what I remember, uh, and in, in my opinion, was, you know, she really liked Brian a lot. I remember Taylor dated someone else before Brian, and I remember that not lasting very long, really short. And then as soon as they kind of, the first guy kind of faded off, I remember going to football games and Taylor you know, paying a lot of attention to Brian. I'm not even sure Taylor knew who KJ was, if I'm being honest. What I find really interesting about Hannah's statements is that when you line up what she says with what Kenyatta says about the possibility of Taylor and KJ being involved in any sort of relationship, they both seem to say, no way. And it doesn't even seem possible to either of them whatsoever. So now we have two people who knew KJ very differently. One is a sibling and one is a friend. And neither seemed to buy into the idea of Taylor and KJ being in any sort of relationship. I really wonder how this rumor even got started in the first place. Were people just grasping at straws for a motive or is there something else in play here? So although I believed Kenyatta KJ's sister's statement and Hannah Taylor Eakin's best friend at the time's statement, I still felt like the critics would say, oh, Taylor and KJ were very private about their relationship, or Taylor and KJ kept their relationship a secret. And I really wanted to make sure we had more to go off of than just that before I was going to say that Ryan Anthony's statement was a fabrication. Quickly, however, we were able to uncover inconsistencies that did not add up with the evidence in this case. The next misleading statement that Ryan Anthony makes is that he was in Brandon Bell's apartment in Jacksonville, Florida in April of 2016 when he claims he heard Brandon talking about the details in his statement. But the only evidence we've been able to uncover is Brandon living in Valdosta at that time and he was even enrolled in classes at Valdosta State University. We even found an article from ValdostaToday.com that says, The evidence. A Bell family spokesperson has confirmed to Valdosta Today that Brandon Bell was enrolled in classes at Valdosta State University and was living in a Valdosta apartment off campus during April of 2016. Now, I just want to be very clear. If anyone has any evidence that Brandon Bell lived in Jacksonville, Florida in April of 2016, I'm more than happy to take a look at that and to showcase it if we find it to be factual. But I really believe that if he's enrolled at Valdosta State University during April of 2016, it would be really strange for a college student to also have an apartment in another state. I mean, we just have to look at how unrealistic that is, and I think we can probably tell how true that statement is or not. And if anyone does have information to the contrary and can prove to me Brandon Bell had an apartment in Jacksonville, Florida in April of 2016, I will make sure I show that if it's factual. When speaking with my investigator, Debbie, she says to me, when the police asked him where this apartment was that he met Brandon, he told them, and I guess they checked it out, there's nothing there. Now, 
what does this guy have to gain by doing this? I also was having a really hard time understanding why someone would lie. Why would it benefit Ryan Anthony to accuse two innocent boys of murdering Kendrick Johnson? This one simple concern had really held me back from screaming liar when every bone in my body said we were being lied to. But now I'm comfortable saying unequivocally that Ryan Anthony Domek Hernandez is a liar. And here's why. So I had said to my investigator, we really, really need to make sure that there's no connection between Ryan Anthony Domek Hernandez and the Bell family. And my investigator out of the blue said, what about the Johnsons? Could Ryan Anthony Domek Hernandez know the Johnsons? And I really thought to myself, that, that really can't be possible, but I love the way my investigator thinks, so I asked her to run with it. Well, within 48 hours, she had gotten back to me. We see a video of four people in a car singing to a song on the radio. So bear with me for a moment as I explain what you are watching. First, I want to explain why there is no audio. They are singing to a very popular song on the audio, which means I would have had to license that song in order to play it. So out of respect for the artist who created that music, we will not be posting the audio for this video. But because I care deeply about your listening experience, the name of the song is B-E-D, as in bed. And the artist's name is spelled J-A-C-Q-U-E-E-S. If you can pause for a moment and get that song queued up while you watch the rest of this video and I explain why this is important, it will make your listening experience more enjoyable. If you are unable to cue the song up, here are some words to it so you can feel a part of this. I know you wanna love, but I just wanna fuck. And girl, you know the deal, I gotta keep it real. I know you wanna see, I know you wanna be in my B-E-D, grinding slowly, Okay, so back to the point of this. If you want to watch the video for yourself, it was posted on July 17th and Stell is on her Facebook page as of recording this episode. So definitely go check it out. I doubt it'll stay up for long. Also, the song is pretty dope, so check it out. There is a link in the description. Here's the important things to note here. First, let's see who's made the post. Appears her name is Connie Edwards. It appears she is posting an older memory. So if we look, this video was reposted on July 17th of 2022. The caption reads, we used to have so much fun together. So who is we? Have you recognized the man in the driver's seat? Look familiar? Well, this is Ryan Anthony Domek Hernandez. Now let's see when this was originally posted. Bear with me, I know this is a lot to take in, so hang in there. We see at the bottom, the date of the video was originally posted July 10th, 2016. Connie writes, me and my girls and homie. So the fact that Connie posted this in 2016 originally with her homie, Ryan Anthony, and again in 2022 as a memory, tells me there was a decent friendship or some sort of relationship between Connie and Ryan Anthony. I wonder what the nature of their relationship was. So now, who is Connie Edwards? I was shocked to see the name Barbara Arrington in her family list on Facebook. I thought, Arrington, Arrington. Where have I heard that name before? And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. That is Solomon Arrington's last name, Solo, KJ's best friend and cousin. Could they be connected? According to Connie's Facebook page, Barbara is her aunt and they seem to be very close. There are a lot of messages where Connie shares her fondness for Barbara. So these are not long lost relatives. They are family and friends. 
I could not believe that my investigator figured this out. Again, being skeptical, I wanted this information confirmed. I knew the connection already between Connie and Barbara Arrington, but I was not 100% sure and was having difficulty confirming who Barbara was to Solo and if they were also related. Obviously, people can have the same last name and not be related, so I needed to make sure 100%. So I had used an ace I had in my pocket for a few months now, and that was the cell phone number of Solomon Arrington. So I called him up. Please read your message for Hi, Solomon. My name is Ash Patino, and I'm an investigator working on the Kendrick Johnson case. Uh, I had been given your number, and I wanted to see if you were interested in potentially doing an interview with us um, to talk about the case. And again, my name is Ash Patino. Thank you. Lucky for me, my phone started ringing even before I had a chance to set it down, and it was already solo. Solomon? Hello. Hello, is this Solomon? Who is it? Oh, my name is Ash Patino. I was calling for Sol Solomon Arrington. Yeah. Oh, this is him? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I'm doing a series on the Kendrick Johnson investigation, and obviously you being cousins with him, your name had come up, and I was wanting to see if you'd be interested in doing an interview with us. Yeah. So how about this? Can I text you the open weekends that we have that we can get a crew down there and then you can let me know which one works for you? Yes. Okay, perfect. And then one quick question. How are you guys related to Barbara Arrington? Your dad's mother, okay. Yeah, so is what I'll do is I'll text you open weekends, maybe for over the, like the next month you think would be good, a month and a half. The Johnsons not only needed, but they also used Ryan Anthony's statement to try to stop a judgment against them where they would have to pay the lawyer bills of the innocent people they accused of being culpable in the death of Kendrick Johnson. So this is a heavy level of deceit, if you ask me. It's time to take a hard look at who the real victims are here in this case and what crimes have actually been committed. So now we know that the person who made this confession is actually friends of the Johnson family. So how can we believe that that confession is true? And how did then Ryan Anthony Domek Hernandez come in contact with the Bell family? Now that just becomes more and more kind of unbelievable. So basically that means that Ryan Anthony Domek Hernandez had direct contact through the family. And I'm not really sure how deep it goes. Obviously we were able to find the video of Connie and him on Facebook, but I really believe that's the tip of the iceberg. And I'm sure that they have made sure that their social media profiles are pretty clean, but just missed this one piece that could connect them all. But after finding this, I was really upset by it. So I had reached out to Marcus Coleman to see if he would chat with me or at least see the information we've uncovered. Joining us now is Kendrick's mother, Mrs. Jacqueline Johnson, and family spokesperson Marcus Coleman. Thank you both so much for your time tonight. The interesting thing about Marcus Coleman is when we started this investigation, he was very vocal and he seemed to be standing by the family on anything that they did or came to the forefront with. But as time has gone on here, I haven't really seen much of Marcus Coleman, and I really wanted to know why that was. It could just be that he He's busy with other stuff. He still cares about the Johnsons, but he just can't be involved with what the, what's happening right now. Or 
it could be like so many in this case who you see come to help the Johnsons and then pretty soon they just fade into the background and you never hear from them again. And often I think that's a product of them learning that they're being lied to by the Johnsons. And I think that is upsetting people. So I believe that a lot of people find out that they're basically being hoodwinked and then they fade into the background so that they don't have to acknowledge what has happened here. But the way I do things is I will acknowledge it and I'm gonna to continue to acknowledge it until we find out the truth about what's happening here. And if the Johnsons are convincing people to make confessions for them, that's a major problem for me with this case. And I think we have to acknowledge that because this case is very confusing without adding any lies to it. It's already a monstrosity of a case. There's already so many things that are so confusing or don't make sense. And then to add in somebody lying on top of that is completely inappropriate. That's kind of where we stand. It'll be interesting if Marcus Coleman calls me back. Again, he texted me at 11.48 last night. A late text like that can mean many things. Someone got amped up after reading some of the information I had sent. I'll be curious to see if in the daylight I get a call back. I would really like to talk to him. I had a lot of respect for Marcus Coleman. And I think much like me, he's caught up in something that he didn't know the extent of what was happening, or at least I hope that's the case. Back at my studio, we prepare to start the experiments with the mat. We'll start with your name and how old you are and what year you are at school. My name is Jack Corrigan. Uh, I'm 16 years old and I'm going into 11th grade. to junior year in high school. I'm Joe Bemajean. Uh, I'm 17 years old and I go to Union Catholic High School going into senior year. I'll start with an easy one. Okay. What is your name and what do you do? My name is Shana Atkins and I'm a paramedic and a nurse. So what's interesting about today is I had written to a talent agency and that talent agency basically specializes in kids, model actors. And so I had asked them if they had two teenagers who had 16 inch shoulder widths. And I asked them to actually hold a measuring tape up to the child's shoulders just to make sure that they fit that description. So we have two boys coming today who both seem to fit those measurements. It's kind of hard because they took a picture at home and then sent it to me. So we'll have to verify those measurements. But one of the kids appears to have exactly 16 inch shoulder and the other kid might have a little bit bigger. Obviously that is problematic if his shoulders are bigger, but one thing we can still do if they are bigger is to still see if he can squeeze through the mat because let's pretend that his shoulders are 17 or 18 inches. If we can show that and then he can squeeze through the mat, we really need to kind of think about that because if someone with bigger shoulders than Kendrick Johnson dealing with a little bit smaller of a hole can still squeeze through the mat, then we need to realize that that would have been even easier for Kendrick Johnson to squeeze through the hole. I then get a call from an interesting lead. Hello? Hello? Oh yeah, this is Ash. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'd been hoping that we would hear from you. Okay, okay, so hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. You said you have information in regards to the most recent statement that was made. As authorities have an audio recording of someone admitting to Johnson's death, According to Sheriff Polk, it was Kendrick Johnson's mother who obtained the recording and turned it into investigators. They had a recording that they had actually purchased from an individual. 
said that it would be valuable to, as far as saying who possibly committed a crime in, in, in the KJ situation. Validate who the person is. Was he really who he said he was? Find out where he got this information. And we're we're going to verify who that person is. Follow the chain of custody to see if it's really something that's truth or truthful or for some very, very cruel hoax. The sheriff says his office will not be releasing the audio recording at this time. Kendrick Johnson's family say they recently obtained a recording of someone who may be confessing to killing him. The 17-year-old was found dead in a rolled-up gym mat in his high school eight years ago. An autopsy ruled his death an accident, but his family has always believed he was killed. They turned over the 25-second recording to the sheriff earlier this week. Now, quote, they're going to catch me anyways. I should have never done this. I was young and stupid. Kendrick didn't deserve this, man. A couple of seconds go by, and he ends with a very tearful, they're going to catch me anyways. The family says the audio was secretly recorded by the person's family member who sold it to them for $1,000. Lowndes County Sheriff Ashley Polk says they are working to authenticate the clip and will ask the GBI for help. Where the person was speaking about fears now that Ashley Polk had taken over, that they were afraid that he was going to be caught for the crime of killing Kendrick Johnson, that statement that came out a year ago. Okay, so you have information about that. Okay, and I'm assuming that you might have information in regards to if that statement also is made by someone who is familiar with the Johnson family? Ashes to Ash is created by Ash Patino, associate producer Kate Giordano, investigator Debbie, title music Bones by A Graves, web design for Ashes to Ash TV provided by Second Melody, secondmelody.com. Subscribe on the website for commercial-free content, early access to episodes, uncut interviews, and discounted merchandise. Just go to ashestoashtv.com, A-S-H-E-S-T-O-A-S-H-T-V.com. Please follow me on Facebook at Ashes to Ash True Crime, on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at Ashes to Ash TV. If you have a tip, email us at ashland57 at gmail.com, A-S-H-L-A-N-D-5-7 at gmail.com. We can keep you anonymous. Oh,